0: mercy and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading in the Gospel of John. You may be seated. We begin today with the word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and your spirit, which have brought us to faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, and convinced us of the truth that he has died and risen for our salvation. Lord, we pray this day that you would embolden us and empower us to be uh, faithful in sharing this news, proclaiming this good news into this world of sin which needs your salvation so desperately. Allow us, Lord, by your grace to be witnesses. Now, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus Christ is on trial. Jesus Christ has been on trial for roughly 2,000 years. I don't think it's actually too hard today for me to make the case uh, that people have been doubting and questioning and wondering who this Jesus Christ is for 2,000 years. He is probably the most controversial figure uh, over the last two millennia. And there's all kinds of views and beliefs about this Jesus. And we as Christians have the responsibility to testify to the world the truth of who Jesus Christ is. However, I fear sometimes that Christians aren't always prepared for this. There are many of us in the faith who believe that in fact Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, but when we are called to the stand to testify to who this guy actually is, we have a hard time arriving at what that means. What does it mean for Jesus to be our Savior? Who is he? we know that we believe but we're not sure so much why we believe what we believe and we are living in a time where we really do need to be able to clearly uh, explain why we believe who Je- we why we believe that Jesus is who he claims to be because there's all kinds of attacks on this belief right now uh, we are we are living in a time of skepticism of extreme skepticism And there are many skeptics out there who will claim to you that Jesus, in fact, never even existed. I don't know if you've ever heard this theory before. But there are those who claim that Jesus never existed. He's just sort of this myth that got way out of control. There are others who will claim that Jesus most certainly did exist, but he was nothing more than a good moral teacher, sort of an enlightened rabbi, sort of a a Jewish Buddha of sorts. And what happened is that uh, the teachings that he had got a lot of uh, attention, and then sort of, again, all these myths built up around him, and now what you have in your Bible isn't really historically reliable, but just a bunch of of contrived nonsense built around this historical figure who was nothing but a good teacher. And you will see this all the time, especially during the holidays. Uh, Time magazine or the National Geographic will put out their special edition uh, asking the question, who is the real Jesus? And they will tell you what they're doing is they're trying to get to what they call the historical Jesus, as opposed to the Jesus you find in your Bible, what we might call the Jesus of faith. And they would make a distinction there between the Jesus people believe in and the Jesus who actually existed. And so Jesus is on trial. And I'm sure that you have many friends or family members who are beginning to buy into these things, who are seeing these things on television. And beginning to think that they're actually true. Now, we need to be very clear about something. Uh, Here at Community Lutheran Church, we both believe that Jesus was, in fact, a historical figure, but not only was he a historical figure, he is God in human flesh who has come into this world to die and to rise for our salvation. He claimed not only to be a real person, which is what people tend to claim about themselves, uh, but he claimed to be God in flesh, and then he backed up his claims by his miracles, primarily the miracle of the resurrection that is rising from the dead on Easter morning. Now, uh, if you think about this, it's really quite wonderful. Because not only is this a historical fact, but all of this stuff that Jesus did in history, he did for you. Which means that the forgiveness we preach here, the hope of eternal life that we preach here, the promise that God hears our prayers and sustains us in holy living, all of these promises that we hear in this church, these are not just sort of pie-in-the-sky promises, but they are grounded in real, actual fact. They are grounded in historical facts. Jesus died and rose for you is not a Christian cliche, but it's a promise based on facts. We are not blindly following some pie-in-the-sky religious myth that makes us feel good and has conquered Western society, but rather we are believing what we believe about Jesus because it was handed down to us. By the eyewitnesses, as Jim talked about so wonderfully in the children's message today. Handed down to us by eyewitnesses, people who were with Jesus. And then wrote down for us what they saw when he walked on this earth and ministered here. We call these eyewitnesses the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These four authors were either with Christ or interviewed the people who were with Christ and then reported to us what it is that Jesus Christ said and did. Now, this is a sermon, not an academic lecture today. So I'm not going to sit here and sort of break down for you why it is we can rely on the Gospels. And I'm not going to give you sort of a a full-fledged argument on why we can trust the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. But let me say this. Don't just take my word for it. Check it out for yourselves. Do the research. Dig in. And there you will find the truth. I believe that when you start studying these things on your own, what you end up finding out is that the Gospels are, in fact, uh, among the most reliable historical documents we have in the Western canon. And they, demonstra- they demonstrate to us beyond a reasonable doubt that Jesus, in fact, did die and rise. He was who he claimed to be. Now, if you are skeptical about this, let's chat. Lunch is on me. I'll take you out. We'll discuss these things. Send me an email. Sometimes I'm slow with email, but I will get back to you, you see. And we'll talk about these things. But as I said, today this is a sermon. So we're moving forward at this point in the sermon uh, based on the fact that these things are true. We're not going to make much more of an argument here today. And I'm here assuming that you are here uh, believing this, or at least wanting to believe this, and I'm assuming that you're here this morning believing this and hoping that the people in your life who don't believe it will repent and change their minds and that they will come to faith in this. You, like myself, want many people, we want everybody we know, uh, to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to care for everyone we, God gives us with this good news of Jesus Christ because it gives us salvation. In fact, it's worth knowing that this is why the authors of the Gospels and really the author of the entire Scriptures wrote because they wanted people to believe this. When the gospel writers were writing their books, they were living in a time where Jesus, in fact, was a very controversial figure, and he was still on trial, and many people were trying to figure out who he was. And so they wrote so that you would believe. In fact, if you read John's gospel, and that might be a fun exercise for you this week, by the way, try and read through John's gospel. And when you get to the end of that gospel, you'll find, he says, these things are written so that you will believe them. I want you to believe in the truth and the fact of what he did. Now, what's interesting, especially about John's gospel, when you read through it, is that he sets up the history of Jesus as sort of a trial narrative. He has Jesus perform some miracle. He'll he'll recount for us a miracle that Jesus performed. That's a hard word to say. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, he will record this, and then he will record the debate that rose afterwards. And so what you see happening here is, here's Jesus, he performs a miracle, and then there's discussion, debate, interrogation, judgments, and witnesses, all called in an effort to figure out who this guy really is. So today, as we arrive at John chapter 5, Jesus has just performed a miracle, and there's a debate going on about who he is, and so Jesus decides to call to the stand four witnesses. Four witnesses to testify on his behalf. He's going around performing miracles. He's going around claiming to be God, and he's saying these miracles back up his claims. But he says, now listen, I know what the Old Testament says. I know that according to Deuteronomy, only on the evidence of two or three witnesses can a charge be established. So he says, let me call my witnesses. And the first witness he calls today is a gentleman we are mostly familiar with around Christmas time, a guy we call John the Baptist. You have to know that in Jesus' day, John the Baptist was a very influential and and, uh, powerful preacher. Though he made a lot of the powerful people of those days nervous, he certainly preached a message that a lot of people respected and a lot of people uh, 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 listened to. And as John would preach, uh, he began to say, Now my message is not about me. There's one who's coming after me who is greater than I. I'm not worthy to stoop down and tie his sandals, is what he would say. And then one day, uh, that guy he was preaching about showed up, and it was Jesus Christ. And John saw Jesus, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He must increase, and I must decrease. And Jesus says to us today, There, John was testifying to me. John is my witness, saying that I have come to be the Savior of the world, to forgive the sins of the world as the Lamb of God. Now, John testified to this Jesus, and Jesus came to John one day to be baptized. You may recall this story. Jesus shows up one day, John is preaching, and Jesus says, I need you to baptize me. And they argue about it, but ultimately Jesus wins. You don't win arguments with Jesus. Jesus ultimately wins, uh, and so then he's baptized. And as Jesus comes up out of the water, do you remember what happens? God the Father speaks. God the Father testifies to Christ. Saying, this is my son, whom I love. God testifying to the same thing that John was testifying to. This is the Lamb of God. The Son of God who has come to save the world. So the second witness Jesus called is a pretty good one. It's God the Father. You don't need anyone else to testify to you if God is on your side, right? However, we have these two witnesses, John and the Father, But Jesus also knew that the people he was preaching to at this point the religious leaders there in the day They weren't present when the father spoke at the baptism And so he needs to appeal to another place where the father speaks And so he appeals to the scriptures And when Jesus talks about the scriptures, you should understand he's talking only about the Old Testament at this point uh, Because the New Testament had not yet been written And so Jesus says, now you guys, you search the scriptures, you trust the scriptures, you believe the scriptures are the word of God, you search those scriptures because you think that in them you will find eternal life. But I'm telling you that those scriptures testify to me. Here's our third witness. The Bible. The Old Testament. All points to Jesus Christ. And you see this page after page, Jesus fulfilling all the prophecies that were spoken of him throughout the pages of the Old Testament. Jesus says, even the chief author of the Old Testament, the guy that you put all of your hope and all of your trust in, Moses, the guy who wrote our Deuteronomy passage today, who gives you life, right? You you turn to this Moses for everything. But if you believed Moses, you would believe me, he says, because he wrote of me. And so now these are Jesus' witnesses. He's got John the Baptist, he's got the Bible, he's got uh, Moses. He's got God the Father all testifying to the fact that he is in fact the Messiah, the Savior of the world, God in human flesh. And now the miracles he's performing back up that claim. All of this works together to deliver the good news that God is in Christ reconciling the world to himself. All of them spoke of Jesus Christ. These were the witnesses who testified to Jesus among the Jewish people of that day. But now, here we are, 2,000 years later, Jesus has died, Jesus is risen, Jesus is reigning, and yet he is still on trial. But with these scriptures we have handed down to us, with Moses and John, uh, along with the Father in heaven and the apostles and the prophets, we have these things and they still witness to who Jesus is while the trial still goes on. And this witness takes place in a world that desperately needs this news. Because you and I know the reason Jesus is on trial is because this world is so full of sin and darkness. We live in a world that is is falling apart at the seams because of sin and fear and doubt. we live in a time where people do not have Christ and everybody sins and does what is right in, in their own eyes. And we need forgiveness. And we need hope. And we need a salvation that can come only to us by Jesus Christ. And so the testimony that we have received becomes a light in the darkness. This promise that God has sent his Son into the world uh, to reconcile us to him is the only hope uh, that we actually have. That in this sort of strange rescue mission, Jesus died on the cross and on the third day he rose again for the salvation of the world. All of these things testify to the fact that Christ has done this and that he's done this for you. And that he's done this for the whole world. And now you believe it. You believe it because you've heard it. The Holy Spirit has seen to it, uh, that it has been delivered into your ears, into your hearts, and He has given you faith to believe. You believe the verdict that Christ is the Son of God and your Savior. And because you believe this, because you are saved by Jesus Christ and by His grace, because He has brought you into His kingdom, now you have a new title. Now you have a new responsibility. You are, by God's grace, a witness. You are called to testify before the world to who Jesus Christ is. You are called to join the Baptist and God the Father. You are called to join the Scriptures and Moses in testifying to Jesus Christ. You are called to make the good confession of faith before the world and to deliver this good news into a world that so desperately needs to hear it. Now, this idea of being a witness is something we're going to dig into a lot over the next four weeks uh, throughout the month of September. We'll talk about it in our Bible class afterwards. I really encourage you to join us for that. It's going to be a lot of fun in Bible study today. We're going to talk about this idea of witnessing. Uh, We're going to talk about it again uh, in the sermons over the next number of weeks. But this idea of witnessing is an interesting one. Usually when we talk about being a witness, we talk about someone who sort of uh, was at the scene of a crime and now they have to give a testimony to it or something like this. But you and I, we were not there when Jesus was crucified. We were not there when he rose from the dead. We're witnessing to something that we ourselves have not yet necessarily seen. And yet what we have received from the people who were there is utterly and completely reliable so over the next number of weeks, we're going to dig into that and talk about what that means and how we can testify to this. But as we go into this, there's two things I want to say, and we'll we'll conclude with these two things today. There's two things I want to say. Every time we talk about evangelism or witnessing or whatever we want to call it, I begin to feel guilty. And I bet you're with me in this. I begin to feel frustrated because I have not actually witnessed as I should. There are times when I was supposed to witness and I backed off. There was something I know I should have said and I didn't say it and maybe you're there too. You were afraid of the response you might receive. You were worried you would say the wrong thing and ruin the whole show. You were, you were just uh, f- afraid of what would happen if you stood up for the truth and how people would respond. Well, let me say again two things to this. First is this. I am here today and I have a calling from God to speak directly to that. If you are feeling guilty and ashamed today for your lack of evangelism because you didn't speak the truth when you were supposed to, let me just tell you this. Your sins are forgiven. That sin, your fear, is forgiven. That is something Jesus Christ died for, he rose for, and it is forgiven. It is not held against you any longer. So You're free from it. But Second, let me also say this as you learn to witness and as you think more about witnessing and you start to pray for those You want to witness to fear not For you have a message That might be hard for people to hear at times But you have the message that will in fact save them and the world Because it's not a message about you. It's not even your message. It's the message of Jesus Christ and as you proclaim this message Though the world might seem like they're against you and saying it look who you have on your side testifying with you John the Baptist and Moses and all the Apostles and all the prophets and all the scriptures and God the Father himself is on your side You aren't delivering a message after all about your own uh, Religious experiences or something like this. You are proclaiming God's message God's good news That his son is, in fact, the savior of the world. You are announcing the verdict that God has rendered on account of Christ for our sakes. That Jesus is, in fact, who he claimed to be. The Lord and Christ over all of creation. And that because of his death and resurrection, forgiveness and eternal life is yours. And it's yours to share with others. What a marvelous testimony. It is a fact fact for you amen let us pray father make us bold in sharing the good news of your son jesus christ we pray O lord that you would cancel out our fears reminding us uh, that we can be bold for you are on our side in proclaiming this message we pray for those we love lord who do not know you and you would call us to witness to we pray uh, that you would break and soften their hearts so they might hear this word and believe it Give us confidence, Lord, in your words and help us to trust that they will not return void. We ask this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.